Today's scripture uh, is coming from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 to 3, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have a guest preacher uh, to, to share with us today. His name is Day Hong. First, I'm going to give you kind of the official uh, intro that he gave me. So he, Day Hong, grew up in Maryland. Any Maryland people here? All right. Uh, <laughs> Day was an engineer for seven years. He is totally an engineer, um, whatever that means. Uh, and before, so he was doing that before coming to Korea. But then he did. He came to Korea, and he finally surrendered to God's call over his life, and he started going to seminary. And now here he is as a pastor. Now, most recently, he served at Nam Seoul Church for eight and a half years. Holy moly. Um, and he was doing full-time Korean ministry as well as international English ministry. Um, Actually, that was for the, for the past three years. He was doing both. Um, and now he's, he's embarking into a, new, into a new thing. He is uh, heading up a, a, a church plant, a bilingual cafe church. And this will be in Goyang. Uh, so that's just, just north of Seoul. Um, and uh, this church plant, this church cafe will seek to reach young Korean and international families and singles, particularly those outside of the church. That's awesome. Now, I want to tell you guys, I love this man. I love, I love Dae Hong. We were roommates uh, years ago uh, for, he just told me, it was only a year and a half, but man, it was like, that was, that was a good time, man. And so uh, this, was, this was a time when Dae was going to seminary. He was a grad student and man, we, the, so there's three of us, three stinky dudes living together. And man, we were like the, the worst roommates, terribly inconsiderate, watching movies with full volume until 3, 4 a.m. And he's just in his room studying. So patient, so kind, <laughs> so generous. Um, never, I don't, know, I don't know how, never complained. Um, uh, and just, yeah, Dae Hong, just, uh, just a genuine, genuine man. Uh, he's, he's, he's straight up. Uh, some other things, some other fun facts. He's a singer-songwriter. You can find some of his stuff on YouTube. Uh, he's a bowler. He actually taught me to slow down my roll so that the spin catches on the lane. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Day, I miss you, man. And I'm so glad that you're here to share with us today. Can we give him a warm welcome, please? John really went over with that <laughs> introduction. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, thanks, John. Um, no, I, I do love John, too. Uh, we had a good time together, and <laughs> you can see that on YouTube. <laughs> but with that, uh, yeah, I, honestly, with, with just the situation here at King's Cross, I'm thankful to be invited, but sad to hear what the situation is. Um, but in all honesty, actually, there's a little bit of a... Uh, well, well, ultimately, I actually got COVID too. I got it last September. Um, this is during the Delta phase. I got it from my chondosanim. I got it at church, right? 
uh, and uh, actually Sangmin called me up while I was at the treatment center and he's like, yo, um, <laughs> I sound just like him, right? <laughs> he's like do, like, do you need help? And so he actually offered to preach for me. We had a Zoom service. Um, so it's kind of like, I guess we're kind of paying each other back. So he spoke for me while I had COVID and likewise, I'm speaking for him as well. Um, but yeah, as, as has been mentioned, um, all these different things. Go ahead and, and go through the next couple of slides. I think I put the scripture next. You can jump past the scripture. And uh, yeah, so this picture alone, there are people I know here at King's Cross that have known me from way back when. Um, and I think this picture alone, people would say, wow, there is a God, right? Because for a long time, I was that, why, why is this guy not getting married? Um, he's a pastor, but like, He's not married, so can we trust this guy? Um, like, I dealt with that for most of my ministry career. I got married in 2018. Um, we had our first son in 2019, and uh, we had our daughter last uh, January. Um, you know, I do preach in Korean, and so, like, when I do explain their age, my son is four and my daughter is two. Um, so, yeah, that's just how the Korean and international uh, age thing works. Um, but, yes, this alone, I, I think, is proof that there is God. And, uh, and this alone, um, because I met my wife at my church at Namzorgyoe, um, this alone would have been a great blessing. But next slide, please. Um, I'm actually being sent out. I'm being commissioned by Namzo Church to plant uh, a new church um, in Koyang, as has been mentioned. And uh, we have the location. And, um, you know, we're, we're moving into construction probably within the next couple of weeks. And so... Uh, so yeah, this is the phase that I'm in. And so what I wanted to do is just share a little bit about what has motivated me in this process and um, really what God has been showing me through this process, also through the word. Uh, so next slide, please. If we get into the context of Isaiah 60, this is a message that is written to uh, the Israelite people that have been going through captivity. They were enslaved for 70 years and they've finally gotten out of it. But then they go to Jerusalem, and then Jerusalem, the walls are still damaged. The, uh, the, the temple is, 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 is much shabbier than the original temple, um, and it's not, it's not functioning properly. There's not worship going on uh, uh, like, you know, daily in the temple. And so these people come back with high expectations. We're finally going to be free. God is here. And then they come to the city, and they're like, how are we going to live in this dump? There's no safety. Anyone can come in and can invade us. This large city, like we're in this large sanctuary right now with just a couple people. This is basically COVID right now, right? Imagine if this is all filled up again and like, why are people so close to me? <laughs> like imagine the anxiety you feel. But imagine you're in a city that is just this sparse. Nothing is functioning properly, right? If the entire population of Seoul left for 70 years and then a, like maybe like 10, 20,000 people came back, they would struggle to live in this concrete jungle without anything running. That was a situation these people came into. And yet, what did God say? Next slide, please. Arise. Arise. These are people that had given up. They came with expectation. They were disappointed. And they said, you know what? This isn't working, so we're going to live outside. We're, we're going to go out of Jerusalem. We're going to, there's nothing to eat here, so we're going to farm. We're just going to, we're just going to do our own thing. But God says, no, arise. You've given up. You've put yourself down. 
but I'm telling you to get up. Next slide, please. Arise to me is a call to take that first step of faith. Not everything is figured out. Not everything is sorted. But God is calling his people to take that first step. Now for me, this, this word carried a very, very special place in my heart because uh, actually, Sangmin was a year ahead of me in seminary. Um, he's much younger than me, although he looks much older. Um, <laughs> but he was a year ahead of me. And so actually, they were graduating. It was the last chapel service um, for his class. So it was the third year. I was the second year. And so they were standing, and we were praying over them. And as, uh, as we were praying over them, I received a word. I received, I received this word, rise. And I'm like, okay. And I start praying. I start using that word as I'm praying for, for Sangmin's class. But then I realized at a certain moment, I think this word is for me. The reason why is because at this point in my life, I had one year left in seminary, and my entire plan was I was only going to stay in Korea to wrap up seminary, and then I'm going back. Going back to the States. There are pastors that I knew back in the States that I wanted to reach out to, maybe, be, uh, maybe serve under them and kind of be mentored by them before I kind of went on to my next step. I had things lined up. Korea was never part of that plan. The whole story of me even coming to Korea is a, is a whole other thing. And so I, I was here, and I had no desire to stay. And so for me, when I heard this word rise, I was actually at Jubilee Church serving with Hangman at that point, very comfortably. I just needed to wrap up one more year of seminary, and then I was out. But then I realized God wanted something different. In all honesty, brothers and sisters, this word rise is the reason why I'm still in Korea. This is a word I received in 2010, right? It's crazy. 12 years have passed since then. And yet I'm still here. God was calling me to take a step of faith. And this, to me, brothers and sisters, has actually been a step to progress outside of English ministry, right? My Korean was virtually non-existent at this point. Because God has given me this call to, do, to, to minister to Koreans. And so, you know, this is why, you know, John shared this. Three years ago, I actually switched into full-time Korean ministry. This means like early morning prayer. Like not just attending, but actually preaching early morning prayer. Right. Um, actually, the hardest thing for me wasn't so much sermons because I could take time to prepare. It was actually leading the service because, like, you, we would be like the sawaeja, the the officiate, the presider. You have to do a lot of reading. My Korean reading sucks. Like, I like basically, I'm just. I, I was back then. I was making noise. I didn't know what I was saying. And I had to lead services officially, right? I have like, there, there, there'd be like a thousand people in the sanctuary and me speaking like horrific Korean. <laughs> Yet God saw me through this, right? I got a little bit better. But, but at the same time, you know, this is all by the blessing of God. He called me to take a step of faith, just as he called these Israelites to take a step of faith, to know that God was going to move. Next slide, please. So here's the thing. If you catch this in the NIV, and I think this is also in other English translations, this doesn't come out so well in the Korean translation. But the word rise appears twice, right? 
There's first the word arise, a command to the Israelites, but then there's this phrase, the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Next slide, please. This same word appears again in verse 2, where it says, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Next slide, please. So let me get into the word rise, because there's actually two words for rise. Now, the first word rise is the one that I think almost every seminary student knows, because we learn Hebrew by frequency. And the, that first version of rise comes up more than 600 times. So you ask any seminary student, what's the word rise? In Hebrew, it's like, kum. They all know, because we learn it. That's one of the first learn words we learn, right? But the second word that's also in this text is zarach. That's not a very common word. Now, there's a difference. The word rise and kum usually means to come up from a, a position of lying down or sitting. But the word zara also has that meaning as well. But there's another difference. Next slide, please. The word zarach generally comes, it's only used 18 times, but it's usually used to describe the rising of the sun. Now, let me explain why this is important. Because when God says arise to this disappointed people, when God says arise to us, he is asking us to do something. He is asking us to take that first step to actually go into action. But the rising of the sun is something that will happen no matter what. The rising of the sun is, there's no way to stop it from happening. Next slide, please. So when God says, rise to us, what he's also saying, you can rise because no matter what, I am rising upon you. Like the sun, like clockwork. You just need to take that first step. We can rise because God first rises upon us. His glory first rises upon us. Next slide, please. So then he says, shine. What does it mean to shine? A lot of people think when, when you see the word shine, it means to like do something special, right? To shine, you know, you, you, you got to be talented, you got to sing well, you got to be smart. So a lot of times when we think about the word shine, we think about being different from others in like a very uh, just showy way, especially when we have things like what? American Idol, like, like, like talent shows that, just, that focus on greatness, in the eyes of others. So when we think of shining, we think that's how we're supposed to shine. But I want to actually give a little different aspect of what shine means biblically. Next slide, please. So first off, what is the situation we are in? Verse 2 says, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. So brothers and sisters, next slide, please. The reality that we're in right now is the world is covered in darkness, right? This is highlighted even from the beginning of the book of the Bible where it talks about creation because what is the first thing God created? Light, right? God was creating physical light. But what this is also showing us is that we are all in spiritual darkness because of sin. This is the state that the world is in without God. Next slide, please. And then verse 3 says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Next slide, please. So what this is telling us is that this light that we have, what this light is, I'll talk about in a little bit, attracts people, right? People are, wow, this is great. This is special. Nations and kings. You look at, at the early church in Acts 2, and you see that they had such a beautiful community that people from the outside wanted to be a part of this. Next slide, please. So how do we shine? What is this light that is so attractive to others? What makes 
believers, those that have faith in God, so different from others. I'm going to go to another text to explain this. Next slide. Philippians 2, verse 14 and following. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Next slide, please. So in the book of Philippians, let me explain the context. In the book of Philippians, this church of Philippi, this church that Paul loves dearly, he calls them friends, he calls them beloved. They're having a hard time. There's pressure from the outside. There are, the, Roman, the Roman culture is so strong in telling them, you need to live like us. You need to be Roman like us. What is this Christianity? There were these Jews also that said, you know what? You believe in our God, but you're, you're worshiping him wrong. You got to be like us. You got to get circumcised. You got to do this. You got to do that. There are people from the outside that were giving them pressure. But then there's also discord inside. There was, there was disunity within the church. And so Paul writes this book to his friends. And in, ver- in chapter 1, verse 27, he challenges them to live in a, in a manner worthy of the gospel. And from that, he starts to break down what that means. To be worthy of the gospel means, number one, you need to be unified. You need to live as one. You need to lay down these issues. You need to patch them up. You need to reconcile. Live as one. And the only way you can do that is number two, you got to humble yourself. Because if the number one enemy to unity is pride. You think you're better than others, you will never be unified with them. So you need to humble yourself. But humility also means that you're raising up those that are around you. And then he says you need to obey, just like you did before. Obey like you did before. And then he gives, next slide, the greatest example of who did this. Jesus Christ who came to us, a man in very nature God, humbled himself, died on the cross, took the very nature of a servant, emptied himself for us. This is the model. And brothers and sisters, this very model has really flipped everything upside down because what is the the world telling you? Get to the top. Be at the top of that triangle. Next slide, please. Because the, the things that we hear from outside, the things that we hear just growing up in the societies that we're in and the cultures that we're in, it doesn't seem like it's that wrong, but well, how is it described? Warped and crooked. Why? Because it's within that spiritual darkness. Let me give you an example. Next slide, please. We call this water cooler talk. So, you know, if you're working at a company, I, I, worked, at, uh, I worked at Motorola for seven years. Um, you know, you want to take a break, you go to the water cooler. Now, I think this is a little bit different. This is a little bit dated now. Um, but basically, what people did at work was they would take breaks and they would just kind of chill, right? Now, what's the number one way to get closer to your, to your coworkers? You talk crap about your boss. The first person who throws that, who, who first, uh, so this one person throws that, that insult, there's so many more coming, right? All of a sudden, people that never talk to you, like, yeah, yeah, like, like everyone starts getting all riled up. And all of a sudden, you're best friends, right? Because you're, you're against that, you're against the enemy. Now, this, this happens everywhere. This doesn't happen just in you know, the secular world. This happens in ministry as well. Um, P- 
people generally want to rebel against authority. The reason why is because we're sinners. Our natural nature is to rebel against any authority that is above us. And a lot of times we bond in that rebellion. Next slide, please. But here's the thing. Jesus did the opposite. You know, you see in the Bible, Jesus talking smack about God. He is fully aligned with what God desires. He is fully obedient even to death. This is what has flipped the world around. This triangle, get to the top. Once you're at the top, you look down, everyone's down there, ha, ha, ha. That is what the world is teaching us. We're supposed to rise to the top. The rising that, that is from this text is very different from the rise that the world is teaching us. You know, in Korea, get those specs, right? Get, get up. I call it neo-yangbanism. Become a yangban, right? Get to that elite class. But what did Jesus do? He is the king of what? The upside down kingdom. That, that triangle has been flipped up, flipped over, so that the person at the very top is at the bottom. He emptied himself, he died, he sacrificed himself on the cross, uh, an item that signifies death and, and is usually for a criminal. And he did that to raise us all up. Jesus chose to be obedient, even to death. Next slide, please. So, brothers and sisters, the way we shine is not by how great we do things, is not by being really special, it's simply through obedience. Now, I know for me as a Westerner, this is like, what? What are you talking about? I'm an individual. I make my own decisions. I'm my own man. But this is something that I've been wrestling with. Next slide, please. Because I've learned in these three years of being on the full-time staff on the Korean side that there's beauty in submission. You know, I grew up most of my life as a Korean American thinking that my parents were wrong. Seeing their culture at home, at church, living in a different culture at school, doing well in school, and then thinking, oh, these Eastern people don't know anything. I grew up most of my life thinking my parents were idiots, right? It's a horrible place to be in. And that automatically meant that any decision, any, any thought they had, I was naturally going to be against it. And brothers and sisters, this is, I know, reality for some of you, of being in this dual culture where your parents are from a very different culture from yourself and just butting heads again and again. But the strongest thing I've learned in my three years as a full-time ministry uh, on the Korean side is that when you first choose to submit, that actually opens doors and changes hearts that would never happen otherwise. Because if you go into a relationship, you go into a situation with your fists up, all that's going to happen is you're going to get into a fight. And I've seen this again and again. There have been many before me who have gone into Korean ministry or, or served at Korean churches and they've left on ugly terms. By God's grace, that didn't happen to me. It's not because I'm, I'm anything special. But the thing that I've learned through this is that when you first make that step, you know what? I will submit, I will obey. If you're not calling me towards sin, then I will obey. 
that person's heart will start to change. And then your own heart will change as well. I know many of you probably still have struggles with your parents. I know many of you probably have struggles with your bosses, right? But I want us to understand, number one, when I say we are called to submit, when we're called to obey, first and foremost is to number one, the word of God. If you're ever led to, if you're ever commanded to sin, then that is clearly not something you should obey. But at the same time, what the Bible tells us is that those that God, or those that are above us, those that are our authorities, God was the one who placed them there. So we have to respect what God has done. There are times that we're going to be uncomfortable with this. But what I want you to understand is when you make that choice to shine through your obedience, God will show you the beauty of that. Next step. Next slide, please. But here's the other thing. Verse 1 says, Arise, shine. Why? For your light has come. So this light that we need to shine is actually being given to us. Next slide, please. If you look at Ephesians 5, I know a lot of sisters don't like the next verse in Ephesians 5.22. But Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it starts this long array of what submission means. But the thing a lot of people don't notice is that this act of mutual submission, submitting to others in reverence of Christ, is part of what? Verse 18, being filled by the Holy Spirit. So what that tells us is that submission is not something that you will naturally do. You will naturally rebel. But submission is something that you can do through whom? The Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. So our light has truly come. That light in the context of Isaiah 60 was the word of God. God gave his word. The word that is a lamp to our feet that shows us how to live our lives. And then that light was expanded when Jesus Christ came because he was what? The light of the world. But then Jesus upped that even more when he sent the Holy Spirit down to us. That for those that believe, God himself dwells inside of us and is empowering us and encouraging us to grow and to shine. Next slide, please. So about glory. Um, Let me try to wrap this up quickly, but in Isaiah 60, to the Israelites, the first thing they normally think about when they hear the word glory is what we call the Shekinah glory. So let me explain what that is. Next next slide, please. um, Oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. The the word glory, first and foremost, is kavod in, in Hebrew, and the literal meaning of that is heavy. Okay? Heavy. Now, I myself have had a very uh, difficult relationship with this word glory. Why? Because it's part of my name. My name is Te Young, right? Te means big. Young means Young Guang glory. So think about what that means. My entire life, my parents were telling me big glory, big glory, big glory. And I'm like, I don't want to be a big glory. <laughs> I, I lived with a lot of pressure, okay? Um, so I asked my parents, hey, what, what, what's little glory in Korean? It's like, oh, that's Soyoung. Oh, and, and then they're like, that's a girl's name. I was like, oh. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, fine, I'll be Taeyong. I'll be big, I'll be a big glory. And so here's the other, here's the funnier thing. The word glory in Hebrew means what? Heavy. Now, I might not look that heavy now, but for those of you that remember me pre-marriage, I was about 20 kilos heavier. Um, so yeah. Be careful what you name your kids because you say big glory, big heavy, that's what happens, okay? You manifest those things upon your children. Anyway, so 
Let's go to what glory means uh, or what, what they envision when they see glory. Next slide, Exodus 40. Verse 30 and 40, uh, 34 and following. Then a cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Well, the reason why I bring this up is, this is a picture at the end of the book of Exodus. They've made the tabernacle, and God wants to bless it. So how does he bless it? By filling it with his glory, this cloud. But this filling of the, the, of the cloud, uh, this filling of the temple with the cloud was so thick, was so heavy, that Moses himself could not enter. So that, that presence of God is actually like something you can feel. But the other thing that this cloud did was it directed them. They followed this cloud. So let's go on. Let's explain these two things. The pillar of cloud represents the presence of God. So glory, this glory of God represents his presence among us. Next slide, please. Um, to explain a little bit about what I've personally felt from this, um, this is me and my ordination. That's actually my uncle uh, who's doing the, the ordination prayer for me. Um, now, the key thing about this picture that I want to show is the moment I was getting ordained, I couldn't focus on anything but this. Why are they pushing so heavily on my head? Right? It literally felt my, my uncle was putting his full weight on my head. So the whole time I'm just like struggling to keep my neck from buckling. Okay? This went on throughout the entire prayer. So the whole time I'm like, please, please finish your prayer. Please stop. Please stop. Amen. Amen. And so like, I had no idea what was going on because all I was focused on was why are they pushing so hard? But then when I look at this picture, they're not doing that at all. So after this experience, six months later, my friends were getting ordained too. And so I was contemplating about what happened at that moment. And what I've interpreted is, I, I feel that, number one, because of my name, and because of the moment that I was in being ordained as a pastor, God gave me that small experience of having a little speck of glory on my head. That it was so heavy that all I could feel was this weight. And I think that through that, God was saying, you know what, I'm with you. I am blessing you. Go forth and minister. Now, brothers and sisters, I think all of us, if we took time and shared, all of us have had some type of experience where God undeniably felt present. Where you were sure that God was showing you or was teaching you in a certain way. Whether it was in a dream, whether it was in just feeling a, a tangible embrace from God, whatever it might be, I think all of us can go around and, and talk about this. God does this in various different ways. The reason why I bring up this is because it seems to be connected to the word glory. I'm not saying this is going to happen to every one of you. It probably shouldn't. But what I want you to understand is that God always helps you to understand that He is with you. God is with us, always. Next slide, please. The other step. Not only is God with us, he guides us. Now again, how God guides us is different. In the, in the book of Exodus, it was through a pillar of cloud that they followed that turned into a pillar of fire during the nighttime. But for myself, I've tended to feel God's guidance through just kind of convictions in my heart. 
Now, I'm going to share, I don't have too much time, I'm going to share the most recent example of this. Now, in terms of my church plant, honestly, last week I was in a very bad place because things were not going well. Um, we were hitting, like, I was hitting heads, and actually, um, the leadership that I had above me, I have an elder and a deacon that are overseeing my church plan, and we were just not eye to eye on certain things. And I was getting really, like, frustrated. And a lot of it had to do with finances, because honestly, uh, with COVID and just the way things are, and the way, like, labor has increased and cost significantly, the amount that we had to work with just wasn't enough to get done what we needed to get done. So we were stuck. And so this past week, um, I was like, you know what? I think God wants me to ask for help outside. And honestly, this was, this was a big pill to swallow because, you know, I know in America we have that culture of, you know, GoFundMe, donations, and those type of things. And I used to use that a lot back when I was in the States. But I've been gone for 15 years. And so it was hard for me to go back to my friends and be like, hey, how you been for the past 20 years? Oh, you have kids now. Oh, it's like, so like I had to go back and kind of reach back into that well and, and just ask for support. And I felt bad because, I, like, you know, honestly, if I would get contacted this way, I would be like, who is this jerk? Right? Asking me for money. I haven't even talked to him in, in 20 years. And so I, I knew I was going to get like, like crickets from a lot of people. But I was like, I feel convicted, so I pressed in. Right away, there was a response. So I was like, okay. But then it hit a wall. And I was like, you know what? It's not as, it's not as much as we needed, but I, I think we'll just make do. And honestly, I have savings. So I was like, you know what? God, I'm just going to burn up my savings. Like, I'm just going to trust in you. Like, you know, forget what they're telling me. I'm just going to move forward. But then literally like Friday night, I get a huge donation for someone I haven't seen in years. Someone I didn't even reach out to directly. And I'm just like, whoa, what's going on? I go to sleep. I wake up. There are two more huge donations. And it's been coming in. And then honestly, we started at about, I think, 8% of what we needed on Monday. And I just checked on my phone. We're at 99%. We raised like, like about $15 million in one week. And honestly, all I can say is, this is God being God. I was kicking and screaming the whole way. And honestly, there probably are people pissed off me right now. But still, regardless, God is showing me. Trust me. I will show you the way to go. Next slide. So the way I want to wrap this up is the following. Number one, arise. Take that first step of faith. If God is giving you a conviction about something, one of the things that I always tell people, if you have a conviction on something, the best time to act upon it is now. The reason why is because if you say later, that later will always keep moving with you. No matter what phase in life you are, there's always a reason to say later. So if God is giving you that conviction, take that first step. Number two, you are trusting in God by obeying Right? By obeying those that have been put in authority over you, obeying the word of God. By obeying the authority that is above you, you are not saying, I trust this person. You are saying, I'm trusting God. So let's trust God through our obedience. And lastly, that presence of God, that tangible presence of God that he makes us, us feel. Follow it. 
Honestly, a lot of my struggles have been, there's things that I wanted to do and I was pushing in my own direction and then God very gently just kind of nudged me in the way that we were supposed to go. So a lot of times we just need to stop listening to ourselves. Say, God, guide me. Show me through your glory where you want me to go. So in that same way, I want to bless you guys here at King's Cross, uh, my brother Sangmin, to rise up, take that first step, to trust God in our obedience, and then to follow the direction that he's giving us as he makes himself present to us again and again. With that, I want to take up time to pray. And I know we're going to move into a time of communion, but let's just take a moment to just pray what this means to each and every one of us, because I know it's different. For me, I've been, praying, uh, I've been sharing just very personally about my church plan and, and what has been happening recently. But I know for each and every one of us, God is, being, God is speaking a very specific message. So whatever that first step might be, whatever that, 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 that obedient step might need to be, let's just pray into it and say, God, show me. Give me that courage. Reveal yourself. Help me to feel your presence and guide me along this path. Let's pray.